You're listening to Off Screen with Celine. What you are listening to right now are some of the first sounds ever recorded on Mars. These sounds were recorded by a microphone attached to the Perseverance rover, which landed on February 18, 2021, as part of the Mars Exploration Program led by NASA. On this episode of Offscreen with Celine, I could not be more excited to have my first guest, who has completed work that is literally out of this world. For this special Mission to Mars episode, I have the pleasure of hosting Arissa Stilley, a NASA engineer who not only helped land the Perseverance rover, but also helped navigate the Curiosity rover, which landed on Mars in 2012. And having Stilly on my show is really special for me because she is actually a University of Miami alumna, which is a title that I will soon be claiming for myself. Stilly also has a master's from MIT, and she has been working at NASA full-time since 2006. Arissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I work at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is part of the NASA family when it comes to building and flying spacecraft and doing uh, research and development related to space technology. I have been there for about 14 and a half years. So for some context for our listeners, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory's primary function is the construction and operation of planetary robotic spacecraft. On February 18th, 2021, Arissa's team from JPL helped land the Perseverance rover in Jezero Crater on Mars. The rover was initially launched on July 30, 2020. According to NASA, the goal of the rover is to, quote, seek signs of ancient life and collect samples or rock and regolith, which is broken rock and soil, for possible return to Earth, end quote. So Arissa, can you elaborate a bit on why this mission is so important? Why are we trying to study Mars? I think Mars is really interesting to us to study because of how similar it is to Earth. It's in a similar range to the sun. We believe that it once had more activity on it geologically, that it used to be covered with oceanic water that might have been similar to the water we have here on Earth. And if we can understand the history of what happened there, I think it can teach us something about the evolution of our planet. And it continues to help us understand sort of how the the, the history of our solar system, and now things that we're even looking at outside of the solar system came to be. So essentially, the main goal of the Mars Exploration Program is to study the planet and see if there is signs of past life. And this program has been going on for many years. In August of 2012, Curiosity rover landed in Gale Crater on Mars. So why did NASA choose Jezero Crater as the landing site for the Perseverance rover? So it's very clear from a geologic perspective that there are these river channels that had come into this area, deposited all this sediment, and essentially Jezero Crater includes a lake bed that scientists believe has been filled with water and dried out um, at least a few times. If life did exist on Mars in the past, there's a good chance that it would have been preserved in this lake bed. And so that's what the mission is hoping to find. We would have been interested in going to Jezero, or we have been interested in going to Jezero in the past. Um, But when we decide where to send missions, the first is, well, what's the objective of the mission? And the second is, where can we get to from an engineering safety perspective? We couldn't have landed the Curiosity rover in Jezero Crater because the location itself has so many hazards from a landing perspective. So what changed? Why were you able to land Perseverance where you could not land Curiosity? 
the Perseverance mission was the first mission that as part of the entry, descent, and landing technology, we flew something called terrain relative navigation. And that was the ability to take pictures while we were on the parachute during landing and use those pictures, uh, compare those pictures to a map that we had loaded on board for the rover or the vehicle to localize where it was, which reduced the error in where we were in the map. We then could tell the rover, okay, now that you know where you are, we're going to tell you what the safest places were based on all the studies we did on Earth. That's how we enabled landing in Jezero Crater. Okay, so clearly there have been some major technological advancements since Curiosity was launched. So why does the technology look very similar? Why does it look so old and rugged? A lot of people think about the technology we send to Mars and why it's so old or so slow compared to even our, our smartphones today. And a big reason is because we're, we're sending hardware that we consider to be rad hardened or radiation hardened, meaning it's protected and proven to be protected from uh, energetic particles that can hit it in space and cause bits to flip or, or cause software to fail. That makes a lot of sense. Now that we discussed some of the more technical aspects of a mission, I want to get into the good stuff, what it was like to be part of this mission. But first, can you explain the time delay between what had happened on Mars and when you and your team were then receiving images and status updates from the rover during its descent? Yeah, the way to think about that is, um, so a, a, an Earth year, the time it takes us to go around the sun is 365 days. It takes Mars about twice as long to go around the sun. And we lap Mars about every 26 months is how that works out. Depending on where we both are uh, around the sun, it can be anywhere from seven to 22 minutes. The day that, that Perseverance landed, based on where the two planets were relative to one another, it happened to be 11 minutes and 22 seconds. So the day before we landed, or the day we landed, when we sent a, a signal to the vehicle and then we waited for a response, that would have been 22 minutes. I can't even imagine how suspenseful that must have been having to wait for that signal, knowing that the fate of the mission was already determined even if you didn't know what that was yet. Can you explain what the experience was like? Take us back to that moment for you and your team. So we were all connected online, even though, you know, 23 of us or so were in one room together upstairs uh, at JPL and, and then a set of people downstairs in the main control room that you see in a lot of the landing footage. The surface team was across the hallway from the room that I was in waiting to take the vehicle over from us once we had um, confirmed the landing. We're watching the telemetry come in along with like sharing it with the public. We did get some telemetry during landing that was a little unexpected that we've now been working to explain and understand. I mean, ultimately we now know that the landing was successful, but there were moments during landing that some of us freaked out a little bit because we're like, wait, that, that that's, that's not expected, is it? Are we gonna be okay? Uh, and we've landed this type of system one time successfully before with Curiosity Mission. So there's always that part of you that until you're safely on the ground is nervous that something, we could have missed something this time and it's not going to work. I just told you how treacherous Jezero is as a landing site. And so the next thing that we were all waiting for with bated breath was the first image from the rover that would actually, I'm actually getting a little emotional talking about it, <laughs> that would show us, no, really, you landed safely. You're not half propped up on some giant rock. And within a minute of landing, I think we had that first image with the from the hazard cameras um, on the front and back of the rover. And so that was like the, the final, okay, you nailed it. Um, the system worked as expected and we're, we're safe on the ground. So that that's how it felt. <laughs> so another reason why Perseverance was such an important mission was because it carried the Ingenuity helicopter, which was the first aircraft to make a powered controlled flight on another planet. Did your team work with the Ingenuity team at all? So the Ingenuity team is sort of a separate development team <clears throat> because Ingenuity is its own 
vehicle, so to speak, that was attached and then deployed for as part of the rover. The only impact it really had specifically to our work uh, as part of the entry, descent, and landing team was we put this small helicopter on the belly of the rover. And so then we had to consider, okay, does that make it more likely that we could hit something when we land on the surface? I mean, that, that was literally the only impact to the EDL team. I'm just imagining what that would have been like to see the rover descending towards Mars with a little helicopter attached to it. Now, something really cool is that Perseverance is actually taking pictures of Ingenuity as it's flying. So I highly recommend for my listeners to go to nasa.gov to check out these photos because they are incredible. So we have mentioned the Curiosity rover a few times now, and I know you were actually part of the surface team for that mission, which means you helped direct the rover's movements. What was that like, knowing that you were part of the team driving a rover on another planet? The day that you, sh- I mean, you can see pictures even when you don't show up for work, but the day that you, you show up and you're, it, it's your turn to do that, you're looking at brand new images from Mars every single morning. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's more dirt and rocks. And most of the time I'm like, oh, that's really beautiful. And why are all these rocks colored different? Like I want to actually go sit in the science meetings and go, hey, why, is, why does that rock look that way? Or what are you guys thinking about this over here? What is it they see when they see those images? And if we drove the day before, it, it's not just new images in the same area. It's like a new, you're in a new place. And I think that was just like, that was a reminder every day in that job. But like, oh, right, oh, we're driving a rover on Mars. Like this is, this is incredible. I was looking at some of these images from NASA's website. And yes, a lot of them just show like the rocky terrain of Mars. But then you take a second and you realize you are seeing images of another planet. And that's amazing. So what are the next steps for both you and the Mars program? I'm still working with the Perseverance EDL team to work on the reconstruction, which is where we look at the data from landing and try and learn as much as we can from that to enable the next mission to be successful. Um, I have started working on the next Mars mission called Sample uh, Retrieval Lander, SRL which is part of the Mars Sample Return campaign. And part of my uh, job there, my main job there is going to be to help put together the project story for how we are going to test and validate the system that we are going to build to do the job. It's a partnership with ESA, the European Space Agency. And the idea is that we sand, we basically have to land both a, a small fetch rover that can go retrieve the sample tubes that Perseverance will be collecting, as well as a rocket that can get them back off the surface. And then the idea is that once we've been able to do that, um, those samples will be transferred to an orbiter that ESA is providing, and that orbiter will then bring them back to Earth. Given the time that it takes for us to to build that next project mission hardware and get it there and the the partnership with ESA, I think it's on the order of 10 years. So there have been a lot of firsts these past few weeks. We have the first sound recorded, the first helicopter flown on Mars, but one of the firsts that everyone is very excited for is obviously the first team of people to land on Mars. When do you think that's going to happen? As soon as we get really serious about it, we can do it in 10 years. I mean, you think about the giant accomplishment of putting men on the moon back in the um, the late 60s. It was because we had a really focused effort. I don't know that we're under the same political environment that that happened under, but we also have a lot more international cooperation now than we used to. And so I think as long as we can keep international cooperation and money as part of that support um, and then commercial keeps pushing that we'll get there sooner than we would have otherwise. 10 years. That's extraordinary. Well, if they need a journalist to tag along to document the event, feel free to pass along my info because I am definitely interested. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. 
Arissa, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your experience and all of your expertise with us. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Off Screen with Celine. You've been listening to Off Screen with Celine. Make sure to subscribe to catch the next story.